Hello, it is currently a nice bright day in DC, another another good summer day. Um, I am joined, as always, I'm Casey Chambers, uh, and with me is uh, Cole Davila. Hey, y'all. And Noah Brewster. Hello, everyone. Uh, so we have had a bunch of heavy and, uh, and maybe, maybe heavy is the wrong word, but certainly uh, dense international relations topics in the last last couple episodes. So today we're going to bring a mini episode just about soccer, but not just about soccer because it's sport diplomacy and it does come from <clears throat> actual international events. So Hungary recently passed the uh, June 15th Amendment uh, to several of their laws uh, specifically about child protection and uh, pedophilia, and chose to, in typical Victor Orban fashion, uh, also include language barring uh, anything promoting homosexuality or uh, gender change to anyone under the age of 18, which obviously runs afoul of general European sentiments of equality, uh, certainly the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the European Union, uh, the EU treaties, including but not limited to tra- uh, cross-border media trans- uh, uh, transmissions, which uh, the European Council is certainly likely to take up, uh, but also just drew ire from across the European continent, including but not limited to uh, the city of Munich, who in response to this, uh, the UEFA Euros are going on, which is where soccer comes into this, uh, wanted to light up the uh, uh, soccer arena in Munich uh, with the colors of the rainbow for the match against uh, Hungary. Uh, this was the, the last match in the uh, group stage of group F. Uh, sorry for spoilers for anyone listening, but the game tied uh, 2-2 uh, in dramatic fashion. Uh, Hungary was knocked out of the group. Uh, Viktor Orban, of course, a large soccer fan in Hungary. A little bit embarrassing for the Hungarian national team. However, it was a difficult group, but that's not the that's not the moment of the story. The, the, the point is the politics behind it. Uh, Human Rights Watch distributed eleven thousand uh, polyester flags for fans to hold uh, in their hand. Uh, uh, since UEFA, the governing body of European soccer, denied that request to light up the stadium in the rainbow colors, uh, there was a pitch invader. For listeners who might not know what that is. A fan ran onto the field during the singing of the national anthems uh, to go uh, display the the rainbow flag that UEFA had also banned. It it really did draw attention all across Germany. Uh, the German Football Federation was upset about uh, UEFA's uh, declining their request, so. Various clubs, including uh, Frankfurt, Köln, Wolfsburg, Mainz, Dusseldorf, Erfurt, Schimmi, Leipzig, Hertha Berlin, Augsburg, Bremen, Leverkusen, Nuremberg, Hanover, Borussia, Dortmund, Jena, Mönchengladbach, Schalke, Kiel, Osnabrück, Karlsruhe, Bielefeld, Zwickau, Duisburg, Würzburg, Bochum, Paderborn, Stuttgart, Borussia Lier, Meppen, Kaiserslautern, Darmstadt, Braunschweig, Freiburg, Dresden, Altona, Rabe, Leipzig, Fortuna, Köln, Oberhausen, Verl, Munster, FSV, Frankfurt, and HSV lit up their stadiums uh, since Munich was unable to. So, a lot going on here, a lot going about the power of sport and European identity. What are your reactions to this? 
I think the uh, the most interesting thing to me was how uh, they uh, proposed alternative dates to uh, light up the stadium and the flag. It's almost like they're trying to protect Hungary, and it's it was in, that was really interesting to me because. I don't know if they're trying to stay politically neutral, but in that attempt, they're also being politically against Germany because Germany is obviously in support for it as the Munich mayor and the rest of Germany was disappointed and a lot of other European countries were disappointed in this decision. So to me, it's almost like, what what were they really trying to get out of doing this? Like if they're just gonna propose alternative dates it's just really interesting to me how that went through. So I think I'll take a, a somewhat moderate approach that will probably make me the bad guy in a lot of places. But I think that the the ruling wasn't inherently bad. Um, obviously, what Hungary's doing is wrong, completely wrong and not defensible in any way. But to me, sport diplom the the whole idea of sport diplomacy is to have a unifying thing to bring countries together, bring peoples together. When you make sports political, it, it does get people's attention and can bring a lot of um, attention to an issue, but at the same time, it can also isolate people and make whoever it is you're targeting um, kind of retreat back in on themselves and not, and you won't, now you don't have an avenue to engage with them really at all. So I think in that way, um, defending neutrality of sports was a, a good idea. Yeah, UEFA did note that the specific rationale for, for denying their request was that it was an overtly political statement. Uh, in, uh, I, I'm not sure if retribution is the wrong word, but it was uh, re rebuke, sorry. It, it, it was a, a strong rebuke of uh, Hungary, uh, Victor Orban, his uh, Fidesz uh, far-right party. Uh, now, regardless of whether or not the, the decision was a, was a right one, the German and European community elevated this decision beyond UEFA and made it even more public uh, and, and, and even more forceful of a response, uh, shall we say, than what would have been uh, ju just one stadium. I mean, I I read a very long list at the uh, at the start of the, the episode. Yeah, they definitely elevated it to uh, an area that I I definitely would not have expected a you know, stadium lighting dispute to have gone to. Um, some of the countries though were interesting that they got in on it. I think Estonia signed on to it, but Estonia doesn't allow gay marriage. Um, so there's there's some weird nuance with the countries and their own issues with uh, gay rights to be jumping on to Hungary. Um, I mean, I, I think Hungary's law is a bit more restrictive, obviously, but at the same time, you know, a lot of these European countries don't exactly have a, a clean record when it comes to LGBTQ rights either. Yeah, what, what Cole is referencing is a letter that was signed by, I believe, 16 heads of state uh urging uh the the council and commission which of course they were likely to do anyway to to respond uh even uh some some european uh ministers uh took aim at, at uefa 
for what what they said was a was a European value. Uh, Noah, do you have any opinion on on the UEFA ruling itself? Um, I think, in my opinion, I think that it was. I don't know. I think they were trying to keep face and try not to lose hungry support as well as just trying to make it non-political. But these kind of things happen with sports diplomacy a lot. Like I know they're not really the same situation, but you have like the MLB who removed the all-star game from Georgia with the voting laws and you have uh, Tokyo uh, Olympics, um, mostly prohibiting Black Lives Matter apparel at their games. So you see these kind of political statements through sports leagues and sports games quite a bit. And I think that, I think they were just trying to stay apolitical in the whole situation. I don't think they realized how much of a backlash it would actually bring because I think they were thinking to themselves, hey, here are some other dates we can do it. I think they were just trying to keep face and not lose hungry, but also not seem too political. But at the same time, I don't really know what was going through their head. Uh, it it should also be noted that uh, the, the Hungarian uh, supporters are currently under investigation in UEFA from the first match of the uh, Euros in which uh, they brought homophobic and racist uh, signs and chants into the stadium and will probably receive some sort of sanction uh, for that generally. And were, you know, for a variety of reasons, including but not limited to this uh, Hungarian bill, were met by a decidedly unfriendly uh, Germany as a whole, I'd say, not just, you know, the, the 11,000 or so German fans are in the stadium as well. Uh, the entire city, uh, you know, lit itself up and put flags out in, in response to this. I mean, it was it was a statement on what Europe means, in my opinion. I think when you have something like this, like an unfortunately highly contested political belief, it's you're never gonna um, make everyone happy. They were either going to disappoint Hungary by lighting up the stadium or they were going to disappoint Germany by not lighting it up. So I think they tried to take the most neutral lane by giving other dates. But like I said, you're always going to make someone upset when it comes to things like this. Yeah, I think this also just shows the... Uh how powerful soccer can be um, in other parts of the world other than the United States. Um, it can be used for all sorts of things. I think in Latin America, there's a very famous instance of a, a short war being fought after a um, soccer game and conflict between, I think it was El Salvador and Honduras. Um, so sports diplomacy, you know, I think is should be a bit more neutral, but like you all had mentioned, it's, it's rarely ever really that neutral. And even if you try and be neutral, you are in effect taking a political stance while being neutral. So it's a somewhat of a lose-lose situation. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure the UEFA would have preferred for there to be uh, no high-level drama between, uh, uh, you know, respective European governments at the, at the time of the, the 2020 Euros. This is a once every four year tournament that is supposed to be 
friendly is the wrong word because it's highly contested and as you noted soccer is very important to uh the countries involved uh uh, the group F itself included uh, Portugal, uh, France, Germany, and Hungary. Uh, as a result of the outcome of the game, Hungary uh, was eliminated. Uh, and and the, the, the only thing neutral, I would say, would be the result of the game itself, which ended in a 2-2 draw. Uh, in fact, Hungary, uh, late, late in the game, uh, was up 2-1. And just generally um, not making it past the first round of the, the, the Euro tournament, as well as the embarrassment of doing of losing to Hungary and having that be the reason that uh, Germany did not go forward would have been a very embarrassing result. And the 2-2 the draw did result in Hungary having uh, one draw and, or two draws and one loss, I believe, which gave them two points and they were, they were relegated. Uh, believe France won the group and then uh, Germany got second and Portugal third. Uh, as, as you noted, Cole, yes, there was a uh, war fought um, over a soccer game also. Um, refugee status and farming arrangements. There, there was more to that than just soccer, but the, the defeat at home uh, was, was one of the, uh, the causes of it. And in, in this situation here, it's the, the, the European response has only begun to coalesce, but the European outrage and outcry does not end at, you know, lights and soccer stadiums. The, it will eventually go through the highest levels of, of European politics. Uh, that, that letter that was signed by 16 heads of state. Uh, uh, Mark Ruta uh, this morning having a, a quite feisty response saying that, um, uh, quote, uh, my goal at this point is to bring Hungary to its knees. Um, now, he, he, he continued on to say that uh, the, the, the European community and values are not uh, uh, for picking and choosing. You're either, you're either in Europe or out of it, and Hungary needs to decide which, uh, which side of the line it's on. And, uh, the, the the second part was a paraphrase. The the bring Hungary to its knees was a direct quote that I was surprised by this morning. Um, so yeah, you you have the the interplay of sports and politics, and an interesting an interesting situation, shall we say? Yeah, that's an interesting um, assertion that they kind of made that either you're in Europe or you're not. Um, kind of sounds almost like a, a more of a federation kind of idea than the sort of original idea of the EU as being an economic sort of compact of a, maybe a confederation. It's, this is a bit more of a, a hardline approach for, for this um, towards Hungary, who has been kind of a bad actor in the past few years, but still um, kind of a bit surprising for that kind of a hardline approach to this. I think that um, a part of Hungary's thing, though, and is the support maybe from Poland they might get. Um, two countries have sort of a long contact in, in history, and I wonder if maybe in the future the two will become sort of a, a more of a significant block in the EU with um, 
issues, um, social conservatism um, like this and kind of a counter to the Western um, liberalism that's been going forward and that is starting to become more prevalent in things like sports. And you especially see that in arguments like in the United States and other Western countries about um, transgender athletes and things like that. Well, um, that is the, the, the situation going on in European soccer. Um, maybe we'll do a quick update as to how the rest of the tournament goes. Um, but there will be another uh, instance of sports diplomacy later this uh, summer as we have the Tokyo Olympics. We'll look forward to that. Maybe we'll be able to slot in an episode. Not everything has to be about uh, war and violence on this podcast. Um, but uh, with, with with this update, that's that's what the the world of the world of soccer is looking right at, looking like right now. And as always, thank you, listeners, and have a nice day wherever and whenever you are. Bye.